the other day I was just kind of ruminating as to where the hell did the fucking mystery machine or Fred and Daphne and Velma and Scooby-Doo, where did they live? You know, it seems to me like every episode they were just kind of driving aimless. Like, you think they were homeless or did or did they live somewhere? They always wore the same clothes. Like, I think they might have been homeless. Or just did they wander the earth kind of like Cain, you know? And just everywhere they stopped, there was a ghost or a fake ghost, you know? Old man, old man Finnerty, you know? Who would have got away with it if it wasn't for those meddling kids, you know? It was 20 years ago today. Sergeant Pepper taught the band to play. They've been going in and out of style, but they're guaranteed to raise a smile. So may I introduce to you the band you've known for all these years, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I remember telling my mom when I was younger that if aliens came down, I would, and they wanted some kind of, like, if I just happened to be the representative or somebody in charge or of, of like facilitating the, you know, being kind of the concierge, being like the, the host, you know, the, what do you call it, the, the cruise director of the whole endeavor. And they, uh, and they were, they left it on, uh, left it up to me to kind of cobble together a representation of our, of our world, of our society, culturally. I said I'd probably give them, I'd probably give the aliens like Sgt. Pepper's, the album, you know, the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, you know, just because of the dis, the it's the disparate uh, type styles and people and characters and elements and paces and movements and songs and, but that was also stupid. But <laughs> because like who would care? Like they'd probably fucking kill me. They'd probably they'd probably look at the, like they'd probably look at the CD or the record or the album that I was offering to them and just like shoot me with some kind of death ray, some kind of gamma ray, you know. And that would be the end of that. But it, I felt like at the time it would be representative of our you know our society, you know, songs like. Uh, being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, you know, talks about the kind of the kind of the dark undertones of like carnival life, you know, <laughs> or Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, LSD. Right, John. Right. Yeah. You 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 wrote that based on a, a drawing that uh, Julian made. Sure, sure, sure. Gotcha. Wink, wink. OK. Um, God, you know, lovely Rita. Great song about a guy just trying to get laid. Right. Um, a day in the life, just a morose type of, you know, I can see where it's a good, that's a, that's a great, well, it's a great representation of the, the songwriting between John and Paul, you know, 
because they they pretty much wrote all the albums aside from they'd give George one song per album but but that was very definite or de- very uh representative of their their uh, their styles and their um affectations and um sensitivities you know Paul was always like woke up fell out of bed dragged a comb across my head found my way up found my way downstairs and drank a cup looking up I know it was out you know all bubbly and cheery and then John would come in <laughs> ah, 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 dun, bum, 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 bum. I read the news today, oh boy, you know, real somber, melancholy, introspective, existential, but, um, but I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. What would be a good what would be a good musical representation of our culture? You know? Would it be um would it be um the go-go's beauty and the beat? <laughs> Pay no mind to what they say. Doesn't matter anyway. Hey hey hey. I like I, I do really like that's a you know that really is a good album. That's a really good. They wrote and they wrote all those songs. That was the first album to go number one, written where all songs were written by the band, which were all female. But um, I really like the way that the that that song flows though, when it's like you're waiting for it to kind of go into the next verse, you know. Pay no mind to what they say, doesn't matter anyway. Our lips are sealed, and then you wait for it to go into another curse. But they drop back into another, ver- another, a, a, you know, a repetition. Pay no mind to what they say. Anyway, why, why all this talk of aliens? What's what's going on? I, look, first of all, I've been listening to a lot of. Uh, well, I've been I've been reading, I've been reading um, this book. Do Android dream of electric sheep? Right. And, um, by Philip K. Dick, which is kind of, it's one of those, it's one of those, um, books, you know, that we're all, it's always kind of been, um, kind of picked through and scrutinized by the science fiction community and, uh, and all the nerds and, um, and how they, well, particularly when it, Particularly when it when the movie Blade Runner came out, because this is the this is the impetus for that for that movie, which I saw when I was nine. I saw it in the theaters when it came out, right, nineteen eighty. Ridley Scott, who's coming, who just came out with another like fucking Ridley Scott, like what a beast, what an all out beast. Um, you know, forty three years ago he comes out with Blade Runner, well. This, and this was after Aliens, you know, in the 70s? 70, what, 79? I mean, what an epic movie. That's, that movie still holds up. And then 1980, he comes out with Blade Runner. And you're just like... You're, and so I'm nine years old. And it, it, coming off the heels of Star Wars, you know, Harrison Ford. And we go see... Uh, we go to the theaters. We're going to see Blade Runner. I'm like, fuck yeah. 
a little more Han Solo action. And it was not Han Solo action, right? Like from the get-go. It's a... Well, now this, of course, is the movie. The book is not... uh, The book uh, is just really parallel. There's There's parallels... But it's not the same. It's not. I. They were. They took some liberties in the film. Um, the character names are the same, but the uh, the roles and the the deliberations are a little a little skewed, a little different. Um, like, so Harrison Ford is this guy Rick Deckard, who's he's he is a bounty hunter. And there are there are six six of these Nexus Six robots that are um, the latest version of the AI of the uh, sentient robots, and it's so it's so like uh, reflective of our times right now that we're on the cusp of all this artificial intelligence and stuff, you know. And um, so. In the movie, they're called replicants, but in the book, they're just Nexus Six, uh, the latest in the uh, hard, hard to kind of hard to kind of disseminate whether they're human or not. So, six of them have cut now. And and at this point in time, in the book, we are interplanetary. There, there are that's it's fascinating. And try and keep try and. I'm trying not to confuse you, but like in the movie, the movie takes place in Los Angeles, 2019. So when I went to see, when I'm nine years old, and I don't know if you've seen Blade Runner, but it's kind of dark. It's, that's very dark. It's a great fucking movie though. So, so ahead of its time, right? Because it's futuristic, like, but again, coming off the heels of Star Wars. Now, Keep you know two different directors. You got George Lucas versus Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott's really more of a. I mean, he just came out. Napoleon just came out like this epic biopic with Joaquin Phoenix about Napoleon, this huge historical figure. You know, forty three years later, but in nineteen eighty, we got Harrison Ford. So you're waiting for some Han Solo type shit, some kind of futuristic, you know, laser guns and shit like that. But it's in keeping with the framework of the book, he's a blade, he's a, um, well, the Blade Runner isn't a, th- isn't a thing in the book. They're just bounty hunters. And, um, but in the book, it's January of 2021. And I don't know why Ridley Scott would have changed the, the year to two years prior but nevertheless, when I went in the theater and I'm looking at the beginning of that movie and it says Los Angeles 2019 and it's like a real kind of like, there's like, it's just constant, just rain and, or, and just real morbid urban landscapes and just dark, dark darkness. And, um, but in the book, it's 2021. It's January of 2021, and it's in San Francisco. It takes place in San Francisco. And I don't know why they changed the time, the year, the venue, but whatever. They just come off a... There's a world war that they just had. So odd. It's so... Now, th- and keep in mind now, 
This book was written in 1968. So how fucking wild is that? So, I mean, for 57 years? Did I do the math right? Is that right? Yeah. No, 55 years. 55 years ago, this guy's writing about shit that's going on as we speak. 2021 just came out of a, you know, well, I guess he couldn't account for the the pandemic, but, um, but artificial intelligence kind of is in our lives and the real commodities are actual living beings. So this guy, Rick Deckard, who is played by Harrison Ford in the movie, has a, uh, an, uh, an electric sheep. It's, and he, he really wants a real, he wants a real animal. And, but they're very expensive and they're hard to come by and some don't even exist anymore. But um, that's kind of his coveted thing. And in the book, he's married. Um, and um, the, the relationship with his wife is interesting because they have these mood settings that they can dial for depression or whatever and put in and they can so it's kind of it's kind of a prescient prescient or or premonent it's it's predictive in a way that uh, now that we've got so many uh kind of wellness activities that kind of ascribe themselves to our existence in our lives like mood enhancing drugs pills vapes vape pens uh where we can really kind of set the tone for ourselves you know if you really we're honed in on our dopamine our cortisol you know our serotonin like who nobody talked about that in 60 in the 60s um but here we are so, but in the book, see, you can just dial your, you can just dial it. It's a little box. You just dial your mood. So his wife, he, he set, his wife sets hers for some, like a depressive setting. So strange. But in the movie, he's not married, right? So, but, uh, but yeah, so we're interplanetary in the, in the book in in the year 2021 and, and we've colonized Mars. And so they're going back and forth to Mars. It's so weird how predictive it was. So, but it's dark. It's a dark, it's a dark book. It's a dark movie. Um, what is some other, I was making an, some notes about, um, um, being interplanetary, the robotic sheep. He wants an ostrich, the mood settings, the world war. It's kind of a world war three type thing. And, uh, but it's just, it, it's fascinating. Just the, uh, not that he, not that it's, not that it's pinpointed, but it's just that the year 2021 and we are, we're on the verge of being interplanetary, um, to the planet Mars. We will be in our, in our lifetime, we will be, uh, interplanetary. So f- just fucking weird, but. But meanwhile, meanwhile, here on planet Earth, so it's finally got a little rain. 
it's looking it's looking like fall there's leaves on the ground and uh yeah i can't complain um it's almost it's almost kind of a dial up mode right we just like okay a week to go thanksgiving week to go and um here you go <laughs> like all you gotta do is just dial it just dial it up bitch and uh so uh on top of that so i've got a court well i don't have to but i, I feel uh i feel in being in, incumbent upon myself that i'm gonna go retrieve my youngest at santa cruz she called me the other day when are you gonna be because she was gonna have to work late but now she's not working um or she's done early, or done earlier than she had anticipated, and uh, the boy, uh, the boy was gonna was gonna go get it, but that's an endeavor, and it's a it's now that it's darker earlier, and the depressive state begins at four four p.m. now. Um, and Highway Seventeen is kind of a rough one to negotiate, and he'd be in the uh, the check engine light that they share that he shares with his, his twin sister that she doesn't use at school. So he drives it, but I don't, I'm not going to risk it. So I'm going to go down there on Wednesday. And, um, I was just, so, so in the preceding days, the boy has been sending me these, um, he's so, he's so funny. Cause he sent me like this van life build that this guy did on a, uh, it was a high ace Toyota which looks just like a, uh, kind of like a Vanagon. And, but it's all been retrofitted with like, um, the, uh, Starlink satellite setup and, um, bedding, gray water, piping tubes, um, just kind of a nice self-contained situation. He said, this is what he said, this is what he wants to do. I said, set it up, man. Just get set aside every other check. We'll go get you a van. And then we will, um, we'll start doing the build. And, uh, he's got it made, you know, he just has to just go to, he goes to a couple classes. He goes to work. He works full time. He can see, he doesn't pay. I don't think he pays any rent. Not that I'm aware of. So he can set aside every other check, and in the course of six months, the dude's gonna have money to just go pay cash for some cool little van, right? But he hadn't he hadn't seen my. I was uh, so what I'm gonna do? I'm I'm told him like, uh, why don't you go with me? I'll swoop you up. I'll pick you up, and uh, you know my Subaru is kind of like it's got the entire back. It's kind of like a mystery machine, kind of like a Scooby Doo thing going on back there i'm gonna put a lava lamp back there probably or something like that but you could uh, put some throw pillows back there it's kind of a lounge in itself back there it's very close i was doing i you know my lady and i we went off off grid briefly we uh i bought a trailer about five years ago and uh but uh it was too claustrophobic i guess for for her so now it just sits, uh, I think her grandmother uses it now. We parked it down 
Merced with her grandmother, and then she's having it kind of retrofitted and or renovated a little bit, or up to kind of just built up, just built in, built up, and uh, and then she's gonna rent it out to a friend or something. I don't know, but so I just make do with what I have. I got, you know, I got the Subaru. It keeps me. Um, keeps me mobile, keeps me functional with work. And like I said, I can put some throw pillows in the back. It's got the entire back. It's like a little ute, you know, like the Australians have, like the, they call the little utes, you know, the little, the little, the little mini truck, you know, but mine's enclosed. And so I said, dude, I'll pick you up, man. And, and the back, the, the back of the, the back of the Subaru dude is like, it's like a freaking, it's like a lounge, man. It's a lounger. So, you know, we'll go down, you and I, and we'll make a road trip out of it, and it'll be fun. It'll be all, it'll be, it'll be pretty, I'm, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. And, uh, so we'll see what takes shape. I think it, it, it should, it, it, I should be done early Wednesday. It's, the only factor is the traffic, so it's going to be a few hours out, and I'll pick her up. Six ish, seven between six and seven. Drop her back off at her house, ten, eleven, and uh, and and then be done with it. And then the next day is uh, Thanksgiving. It's gonna be wild. It's gonna be chaotic. It's gonna be strange. It's gonna be. Um, it's definitely gonna be weird, and I like it. And, uh, it's just going to be, I, I, I'm looking, I, I'm the type, I guess, that looks forward to the chaos of the potential chaos of situations. Right. So, um, I'm listening to, um, at the same time I'm reading this book, I'm listening to, um, the, the new Elon Musk biography by Walter Isaacson on, on audio as I'm driving, what a chaotic life he led early on in South Africa, because this, this now we're talking about the eighties in South Africa, which was, um, really, well, I, I just remember in the eighties, there was the, the whole apartheid thing, which is very similar to what, what's going on right now, in my opinion, in, in the Israel Hamas thing is kind of, there's a, it's an apartheid type nation, right? Which it just means that, that, that there was a, the South African apartheid was that the white population lived with the black population, but the black population was really marginalized, even though they, uh, I don't know how discriminatory it was, but there was an element of that. And they were seen as second-class citizens, right? By the white people, by the white, by the immigrated whites that came down there from Britain and so forth, um, they marginalized the 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 local African population. So, but in the eighties, I guess there were these um, kind of these camps that like a, like a summer camp or a, you know, young men's camp, young boys camp that, that I guess Elon Musk would go to. And it was just like a, like a kind of, um, 
like uh, Lord of the Flies type thing, you know, where it's like kill or be killed, like literal, like fist fights, just, just squaring off with other 10 year olds, you know, 12 year olds, uh, just beating the snot of each other. Every so often a, a, a boy would die. And that's what happened. And, that, and, and this was, this was kind of common. This was kind of a weird, commonplace boys camp of sorts that uh, Elon Musk would just get pummeled just to where his face would swell up and he couldn't, his eyes would close and he just got beaten merciless because he was, he was awkward and geeky and kind of a loner. So it was pure, you know, that's target material right there. And, uh, but his, his home life was really kind of sordid and chaotic. His dad was a real, like, they don't, they don't paint his father in a particularly nice light at the book. And, uh, his mom just kind of made some bad decisions in, in in her relationship with him. But, uh, but inevitably she did the best she could. And she was like a, uh, she was like a, uh, a model slash dietitian and was always kind of just trying to scrape by, make ends meet, sometimes having to travel out of town, just leaving, uh, there's him and his brother, his younger brother and his younger sister, just leave them home alone for, um, hours and periods on, um, periodically. And, uh, so it was, so he was left to his own devices a lot, and it um, he was just obviously he was a peculiar kid, but um, but they would go on campouts and stuff like that, and um, so they would they sp- they kind of split their time between Johannesburg and Pretoria, but out on the outskirts and the fringes of South Africa, you know, in, in those big cities, you go out to the fringes out there, and there's fucking lions and shit. So they would go camping. And they would bring rifles, you know, to guard against lions. 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 Yes. Fucking lions. Which, I guess, I mean, if you kind of, you could probably consider it comparable to, say, like, out here in the Sierras with mountain lions. I guess. But, I don't know. It just seems like a little more demonstrative when you're dealing with actual, like, lions, pack lions, right? Herds, like uh, African lions, right? Like, this isn't like a mountain. Like, it's, I don't think it's, I mean, I wouldn't want to deal with either one, but if I had if I had to choose one, I'd guess probably a mountain lion would be, I'd just be like, all right, man, just fucking do, just, just fucking end it right here. Just, here's my neck, you know? I don't know. Uh, but it was just a weird, just a strange existence. His dad was kind of a huckster and a grifter of sorts, but, but with a modicum of intelligence, you know, he would broker strange deals with emerald, emerald mines, emerald and and people that ran emerald, emerald mines. And, uh, but at the same time, he'd be, uh, he'd uh, the Russians created like fake emeralds. So he, his um his whole investment just went to zero and uh 
So it was kind of a weird ragtag existence early on for him, but um, it was fasc- fascinating stuff. But um, but he had this, uh, I think, based on the chaos, though, of his, his early upbringing and the kind of the contributions made by, like, just being beaten by bullies, just being bullied, just being in fistfights all the time. It made him kind of, uh, I don't know, it kind of set a genetic marker in his brain for like thriving on chaos. And uh, and I'm sure you'll agree, like he, he does, he's a bit of a troll. He's a troll. <laughs> he trolls the fuck out of people. And I think it comes from, it comes from a lot of that. And I, when you're like, so my son, he'll text me to say like, man, I, I just, I really hope this Zuck, versus Musk fight happens. And, uh, cause he said, I said, who you got? He's got, he said, I got Zuck. I think Rogan said he got Zuck or he feels like, cause Zuckerberg's like doing jujitsu or some bullshit that he's got an advantage on him. But Musk is like taller and, uh, he's got a bigger reach, but I think based on all these fights and stuff that he had as a youth, I wouldn't count him out. Like, uh, he was telling Rogan, like, anytime, anywhere. When this fight is on, he's ready. Anytime, anywhere. Like, and I believe him. Doesn't matter how how out of shape you are, man. There's, he's got that, he's, there's a fight in him. He's not a, he's not a, he's not mush. He's definitely not mush. I mean, he may look flabby and maybe a little doughy, but I think the genetic marker was, was set in him that he'll fight anybody, anytime, he, um, it really fleshed out a really interesting back backstory with this guy, right? So that's what I've. So the chaos is kind of part of the part of the um, territory with this guy, right? And I can see that there's a lot of, um, I don't know. There's a lot of upheaval, a lot of chaos. Um, similar to you know when I was. Like real young, my dad was uh, always in business, trying to make business, losing business, business bottoming out, economy bottoming out, um, and uh, so it made for some interesting. I moved a lot. We we moved a lot, um, making new friends, trying to make new friends, trying to just trying to make sense of stuff. You know, when you're young like that, and. Um, you know, mom's trying to do her best. Dad's kind of like out there just trying to hustle, be a hustler. And uh, you stand to um, inherit a lot of strange uh, quirks and idiosyncrasies when uh, your life is like that. And that it's not exclusive to just him or me or, you know, there's a lot of that going on out there, especially now. Um, but... Uh, really really a really interesting book so far and uh but it all kind of leads to this uh for me anyway it leads to this chaotic situation that is about to transpire in a week's time at thanksgiving at my ex-in-laws why am i at my ex-in-laws because chaos reigns supreme in my life i guess uh not by design but you know the parallels are there um I, of course, 
I'm all inclusive. I don't have. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't like to dis. I don't like to discount or disregard anybody. I don't care who you are. Uh, I try not to. Consciously try not to. But uh, so if I'm, you know, if I'm invited in a situation like this, um, it's going to be wild. It's going to be interesting because. Uh, I just know that there's a lot of different temperaments and a lot of different personalities that'll be there that are going to be intertwined and, and, and forced to kind of mesh. And that's the tension that I kind of crave. <laughs> that's not good. That's not good. I don't crave it. I don't crave it, but it's fast. Particularly if you are not the prognosticator or the host or the kind of go-to person at the function, you're allowed to be kind of an observer. And that's what I, I say that about, a, uh, you know, weddings as well. Like I'm, I love weddings if I don't have to be in them. I, don't, I love weddings because it's chaos. It's just guys trying to, you know, hit, hit on the bridesmaids, trying to get a little action, underage kids trying to sneak drinks, you know, um, the old farts that drank too much. It's just good shit. Just, I love, I fucking love shit like that. I don't know what it is, but it's, um, anyway, that's what, that's what I got in store in a week's time. And the day of Thanksgiving, I'm probably going to run a, a, a repeat episode, but, uh, but in the meantime, here we are. The weather finally turned. We finally got some motherfucking leaves on the ground. I finally can identify with kind of the memories, like the memories that have been instilled in me, much like much like uh, this, this Philip K. Dick book. You know, they, they're, they're, we're, we're, we've got memories implanted in us. I've got memories implanted in me of uh, days like this, kind of overcast, Leaves falling, the wind blowing, kind of knocking. We're at that juncture now where it's like the leaves, they're turning. They've gone as far as they can with the heat. The heat just kind of just baked them, baked the fuck out of them. And now there's going to be a little wind that's going to knock them off that tree. And we're going to have a fall. We finally have a fall. There's a meme I was looking at. uh, (laughs) I'll finish with this. This meme I saw... uh, where like uh, this old lady's on a walker and then it looks like maybe it's her daughter that's helping her along, walking along. And the old lady with the walker says, uh, you know, when I was young, it used to be cold on Thanksgiving. And uh, and then her daughter or the lady helping her said, yeah, yeah, mom, you kind of ruined it for your generation, kind of ruined it for everybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's fucking brutal, brutal shit. But uh but it's kind of true, I guess. And I'll leave you with that. All right. All right, all you eco-warriors. I hope you have a great uh, day going into the weekend. Um, oh, shit. That's right. This, the, the, the fucking... Uh, oh, the NCAA cross-country championships are Saturday. Okay. All right, so that's that's what I'll be talking about next episode, y'all. Hope y'all enjoy your day, and I'll talk at you later. Arrivederci, babies.
Bye.